Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. John Sabra was a witness. It's always good to have witnesses to such things to confirm what <laughs> you just saw. John, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having me on, Steve. That was, uh, that was a wild one. It's been a lot of wild ones here down the stretch and a wild week in back-to-back games. John, as you watch them play, whether in person or on TV, what are they showing you down the stretch? I think they're, and I know this feels, uh, maybe it feels a bit like a cop-out, but they're showing resilience more than anything, right? Like the the on-court stuff matters too, right? They're they're deferring to guys other than Jalen Pickett at times, allowing him to be off the ball, maybe saves his legs a little bit, gets other guys more involved in the offense. But when things go poorly, they're not giving up. Um, And I don't know if that was true a month ago, right? I think that was uh, maybe a little bit evident against Wisconsin, it was evidence against a little bit against Nebraska on the road, uh, but lately that that has not been the case. And I got to tell you, I as I sat in the Bryce Jordan Center yesterday afternoon with about uh, you know 12 minutes on the clock, I turned to Daniel Gallon, who covers Penn State as well for Lions 24/7, and I said, "This game's over, right? Like they're not coming back." Uh, and <laughs> lo and behold, I was an idiot, uh, and uh, they they came back. And I think that resilience really matters for a team that I think a lot of people left for dead a month ago. Yeah, but if you were covering Rutgers a week ago, you would have said the same thing, yeah, right? No, exactly. Uh, right. And, and I mean, honestly, and if you if you were covering uh, Michigan State, Iowa, you would have said the same thing. If you were covering Florida State, Miami, you would have said the same thing. If you were covering Arizona State, Arizona, you would have said the same thing. This has been a strange year for elements like this. Yeah, and I think part of it to Penn State's benefit is it is easier to come back when you can score in bunches and. A lot of times that's pushing the pace, but for them it's it's just firing a lot from deep, right? Because you can you can cut a six point lead in two possessions, a nine point lead in three possessions, uh, and it, it doesn't take all that many stops to get the whole way back. And so they're kind of they're built to come back, maybe not from a pace standpoint, but from a a shot uh, you know a, a shot chart standpoint, right? The looks they want to get on the court are the kind of looks that help you come back in games like this. I will say, I you know of all of the the insanity, so to speak, of, of all of those games. Michigan State Iowa stands out still as the one that like I still can't believe happened. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It was I, I joked when they lost to Rutgers when Penn State lost to Rutgers. I said that's the craziest comeback I've seen since Florida State came back against Miami 20 hours ago. Right? Because this is just right. this is happening everywhere. Uh, before I get to other game elements, uh, Jalen Pickett ends up being one of the final 15 for the Wooden Award. He's also in the final five for the Bob Cousy Award. But that you know that's a specific guard related. But the Wooden Awards National Player of the Year. What's your thoughts on the fact that a Penn State name is sitting there on a National Player of the Year list in basketball? It is, it, you know, it's not shocking from the, the context of what he's done this year, but it is shocking from a maybe a historical standpoint that that this happened two years after a coaching change uh, for a player that's only been with the program for two years. For a player that even a year ago I thought was really good, but I thought that was kind of the peak, right? Like I thought really good was the high end of that. Um, it is, it is, it, it, you know, it, it's stunning from that standpoint, right? Like he is, he's absolutely earned this. Uh, I think he is one of the five best point guards in the country. I think he is the top 15 player in the country. Um, but it, it is strange, right? And I think it says a lot about him, and it says a lot about the positions Micah Shrewsbury's put him in to succeed, because he's not doing this without. 
Penn State playing the way that it is, right? Without making him the focal point, without having him post up with four shooters around him, giving him him options to spray the ball around, uh, without giving him the leeway to take the shots that he's comfortable with, even if they're not the most efficient shots uh, on the planet. If he can make them efficiently, that is that is good. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you know it is it is a uh, it is a good sign for the state of the program that one that he chose Penn State over some of the schools that he did, and two that Mike Shrewsbury has maximized him uh, in the way that he has, and, and to pick its credit that he has grown as much as he had over the last has over the last two years. In Sunday's game, I felt the strangest moment of the game was when Kevin Willard called a timeout with about 13 minutes to go, and it was because it was a the first coach called timeout of the second half. It was a long timeout. And Dick Girardi and I took off the headsets and we looked at each other and said, what the heck did he do that for? That made no sense. And then after that, they started taking the air out of the ball. What did you think when that happened? The timeout, I, I'm with you. I thought the timeout, the timing of it was was strange, right? It didn't seem like anything was going for – there were a couple timeouts he took, honestly, that I thought the timing was strange. But that one stands out as, like, trying to get ahead of something, maybe to try to prevent a comeback, and instead, like you said, taking trying to take the air out of the ball and kind of allowing the comeback because of it. Because, you know, as comfy as a 15-point lead might seem, it's five possessions. You know, and 13 minutes is plenty of time to come back from that. Uh, as obviously Penn State proved yesterday. But, yeah, I thought it was a strange decision. Frankly, I thought it was the incorrect one at the time. Uh, you know, it proved to be true, but even if it hadn't proved to be true, I don't think it was helping anything to call that time uh, timeout when he did. And, and I thought, honestly, that the rest of the way, like you said, they, they were trying to kill clock, right? They weren't necessarily trying to get good offense. Uh, it seemed like possessions were starting for them at 13 seconds rather than 22 seconds or, or what have you. They're getting into their stuff a little later. Um I thought the lack of Julian Reese on the court was interesting. Uh, he he's really good, but I you know there is some credence to the matchup doesn't really fit his style. Uh, I had said that when I thought he was going to be in late. If I was Penn State, I thought they would have should have tried to foul Julian Reese. I think that would have been good strategy because he's not a great free throw shooter. So maybe you don't have him out there because of that. But not having one of your better players out there is it's definitely a decision, right? Like, and I don't know if it's one that I would have uh, would have made. John, you know it's interesting. You're right. Reese is a 52% free throw shooter. In the two games against Penn State, he missed one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, yesterday, like he, he, it was like he took the the first two that he took. I was like, oh, these aren't going in, and he drained them both. He's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but and then when Ian Martinez starts making the three pointers too, that was the moment where I was like. So this is this is going to be the uh, the Ian Martinez game like we've seen, you know, Connor McCaffrey has done in the past to Penn State that these guys that shoot like twenty five to thirty percent suddenly make, you know, six in a game or what have you. So it was like I quickly identified Martinez as the guy that was possibly going to do that yesterday. Fortunately for Penn State, that ended up only being true in the first half. Yeah, because well, you know what? It's amazing how you shoot when the game's on the line. Yeah. Okay. And and he had a wide open practice gym jumper from the top of the key. I mean, wide open practice gym jumper, and it wasn't even close, John. It wasn't even close. Yeah, that, you know that may have been the problem. He was thinking, but yep. he had been he had been five of his last seven and threes coming in, so he had, he'd been doing things like that. But you know what? Yeah, you look at how they played, and when they've needed a guy like Funk to step up, they've got it. When they've needed Winter to step up, they've got it. Pickett's always there. And it looks like 
I thought Kebajai played well yesterday. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think Keba has been really good for probably three, four weeks now, right? And it, it's tough because, you know, the conditioning always comes into it, uh, especially for a guy who just kind of added this weight over the off season and is still adjusting his body. He's still very much a kid, you know, and you don't want to overtax him and, and have him out there when he's gassed because that can affect affect other things. Sure. But, yeah, I thought I thought Keba was good yesterday. Uh, I thought he had a couple finishes early that were that were really important uh, when, when Penn State had the original lead in the game. Obviously proved to be important because it's a one-point game, but I thought he looked good. Uh, I, I thought Funk, like, had every reason in the world. And, and, honestly, credit to Seth Bundy, too, and I know people will harp on the fact that he was 0-11 last Sunday. I'm a firm believer that he should continue to shoot, that at no point should be at the, the red light. Right? Like, he should be firing at will. Uh, you know, I, it, that's that's the case with Funk too, right? Like it's easy in Miles Dread, uh, you know, someone who hasn't been shooting well in recent weeks, and it comes up huge yesterday. I think you're right. I think it's all of these veteran guys that kind of, uh, you know, a couple of them have mentioned to me in one-on-ones. Uh, Funk specifically mentioned it that, that they have the idea of like to be a goldfish. So the quote from Ted Lasso that you know you just forget, right? You have to move forward and move on quickly and have that short-term memory uh, go away. Yeah. When you're when you're a shooter like that, because you need to be able to shoot the next open one, and I think yesterday was a really good example of that. Pretty much from from all of the team shooters, even even Lundy wasn't great from the field, but you know he gets to the line when he gets fouled, and he and he laces three straight free throws, which is not easy in that situation, right? I I always joke that I swear I never see anyone make three free throws on a foul three point attempt, uh, and I was trying to figure out which one of the three he was going to miss because it always seems not not just Penn State, like across basketball, it's just really hard to make the three straight unless you're the Steph Curry's of the world, but uh, I thought all of those guys stepped up in such an enormous way, and 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 they don't do it with without each of those contributions, right? Like even even the guys who didn't shoot well, they don't do it without their contributions either in other facets of offense, or their in, in Lundy's case, their, their his contributions on the other end of the court. Final four minutes, close games this season, and this is a stat that I only I keep. It's not in the game notes, but I keep it, and I'll say okay. You know, I think after all these years, I know what the, what the situation is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lundy's eleven for eleven. Yeah, that that checks out, right? Like it is. He and again, it goes back to the uh, the the Rutgers thing of, of like people wanted him to stop shooting. I I would keep I would nope. keep firing. Keep right? going. He, he's so good at completely washing his memory clean of of completely forgetting the last one and. You know, he will take a, a shot that clanks off horribly, and then the next one is nothing but net, and he's he's confident as ever, right? And he's and and the biggest thing through all of it, and Mikey has even mentioned this, is that he is still contributing defensively no matter how he's shooting, right? That's not, not the that. case across college basketball when guys have off nights from the floor. It can affect their defense. I don't think it's impacted his defense once this year, uh, and I think you know he's been one of the best players defensively in the conference. Yeah, you're right about that. I think in a conference that has. Chase Audige, Caleb McConnell, and some others. Seth is among the top ten defenders in the conference, um, and has been for a couple of years now. Uh, yeah. And, so, and the, uh, the, go ahead. I was going to say the Jay. biggest step that he took is last year you saw it with the on-ball stuff, right? Like you saw him, you know, really locking down against guys. This year he's really taken a step off the ball. He's paying attention to rotations. He's paying attention to when he can dig down from the wing, maybe get a hand on a on a driving uh, a ball handler. If he can get a hand on the ball and try and strip it, uh, you know he does it without fouling. He's so excellent at that that 
you know, it's it's easier in some ways to guard one-on-one because you don't have to mentally think about anything else. It's so much harder to do that and focus on everything else at the same time, and, and he does both at the highest level. Your thoughts on the uh, opening matchup in the uh, Big Ten tournament with Illinois? I, I Honestly, I think this is a Penn, a Penn State win, right? They, they It's not just that they have two wins over Illinois. It's that they have two impressive wins over Illinois. Uh, it's it's that Illinois doesn't shoot as well as Penn State does, and and you know if Terrence Shannon can't go get going in transition, then you can stall out their offense a little bit. Um, Dave Danger has obviously been better, but they just like this is not a team that matches up well with Penn State, right? For their sake, for Illinois' sake, I think I honestly think this that's the case kind of the, the whole way through the Big Ten tournament bracket, right? They, you know, they're the ten seed. I know, but. Man, I don't know if they could have asked for a better draw with uh, you know, the, the teams that they're going to be facing, the 7-seed, the 3-seed, the 2-seed, with, uh, I believe it's Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana, uh, and you know, not necessarily in that order, but like having those three teams as your most likely opponents, uh, and in the case of Illinois, obviously the guaranteed opponent, that, that lines up really well to, for even a potentially you know, a run to Saturday or Sunday for Penn State. I think this is, this is kind of a golden opportunity to essentially get rid of all of those questions about whether or not they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. And by the way, Jade Neps has not played the last two games because he got an elbow to the jaw in practice last week, and they took him to the hospital overnight. Um, now, it's going to be a week between the time that happened and the game on Thursday, but he has missed the last two games. So, yeah. we'll see. No, and that'll matter. Yeah, yeah, because they've been started. They've been starting Melendez instead. You know, and look, it's been a, it's going to be a week. I can't, I can't picture yeah. him not being in there. But I mean, that's you know, we'll see what Brad has to say about that. All right, always enjoyable. You do a great job covering the team. By the way, fabulous. This is the guy that broke the story on John Scott going to the uh, Detroit Lions. Well done on that, John. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate it, John. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you in Chicago. See you out there.